Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, I have a very exciting show for you today. Actually, I'm bringing a guest on who first saw me speak probably 15 months ago in Richmond, Virginia at Jim Ingersoll's event. Shout out, Jim. Uh, And then we reconnected when I did a quick day trip out to Richmond here about three or four weeks ago. So let's welcome Leah Coleman to the show. How you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. I was so glad we got to reconnect again and and talk a little bit after my speech. And uh, before we go into that, why don't you kind of introduce everybody to who you are, where you sit, what you do, uh, all things uh, Leah. Oh, all right. Let me do my best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So when we met at the conference, I'm trying to think, I was in between, I think I had just bought my first flip okay, and just finished renovating it. And so was in a space and time where there was some momentum picking up because as you know, once you get your first one under contract and you've got some momentum going, you're always looking for the second one. You're always looking for, um, we've always, we've been educated on private lenders. So mm-hmm. I was looking for private lenders in our market and momentum picked up. So for all things Leah right now, I feel like the way that I could inspire people that might be watching your one rental at a time would be to help them relate to my story, which is, I would call it the comeback. Um, So I'm in my thirties now, um, age 38 to be exact. I got started in real estate about 10 years ago, back when the crash was happening. And I live in Richmond, Virginia, um, which is the hometown region of where I was born and raised and uh, got married uh, nine years ago. So shortly after I got started in all things real estate, um, I ended up meeting my husband Mm -hmm. who now also owns or and who back then even started Actually, he started his company around the same time I got in real estate. Um, he owns an eco-friendly pest control company. So he specializes in residential and commercial um, services. And mm-hmm. so it made a very good networking opportunity at first, to say the least. But we actually met at church. Oh. Uh, and both of us were raised from middle class um, families, um, very blue collar. And actually, in the season that we were raised, by the time we realized in our own adulting, right? <laughs> that like we could look back and appreciate our parents. Can right. you relate? Hello. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you even reference this in your book, the middle class mindset. Yep. Um, that's one of my favorite things that I could relate to in your book. But back to the story of just my husband and I and like getting on the same page. You also reference that, like getting um committed with, you know, your partner or spouse and what it is that you're pursuing. Um but starting in like 10 years ago with the crash, right? Like I, part of my story of the comeback that I told you was when I got started, Michael, I mean, stuff was hitting the fan out oh, here. Yeah. Like I'll tell you a little story of my PTSD. Cause that was the part that was so dramatic for me, but it was about a realization. I think of, um, 
where, where I was with my mindset, also the age that I experienced this. And so that I think everybody can relate because when you start in something new, you're in your, I was in my twenties. We start anything in your twenties. You're just looking to grasp hold of like some type of career, whether it's real estate or whatever else you're pursuing that you can take hold of and actually stay in it for a while to make good money and survive. Right. So Mm -hmm. this, this became a journey of adulting at first, but when everybody was getting out of the market or falling out or losing properties to foreclosure and short sale and all that stuff, um, I was just getting into the world of wholesaling. Okay. And I had a background in retail management for approximately 10 years. It was actually nine in a few months. And then prior to that, I had worked um, in high school and, and transitioned into college years in banking. Okay. So I had um, kind of a basic background in analysis and numbers and lots of customer service. So people were my thing. So mm-hmm. when it comes to all things, Leah, I mean, people were my thing. So what did I think I could do? Survive in a market when everyone was flying out of it or failing. Um, So when I first started in real estate, I asked God to give me $10,000 in my checking account so that I could just survive for 90 days to get through my first deal. So you have a really great story of how you left corporate America (laughs) and transitioned over the time. Mine was super basic. I'm like, I just want to do one deal. Um, And that allowed me to leave my retail job though. So it, so it's still somewhat similar. Yeah. So, and I had gone on a short term leave of about three weeks. And at the same time, my grandmother was going through a battle with cancer and I was maybe the only one that was even available in the family to stop in and check on her. And I just had these real aha moments at that time. So again, this is age 28 foreclosure crash. Um, Asked God for 10,000 in the banks, leave my job, got started in wholesaling. Guess where I found it? Uh, the 401k that uh, like I barely contributed to. Um, And then I was like thinking, okay, well there's 10,000 in. I I actually didn't care that it would be tax 30% and I'd only get a check for seven. (laughs) It meant all the more hustle, right? Like all the more hustle. So let me think this would have been October, 2008. Oh, So yeah, you can really put some time in perspective. So there I go with one of my best friends who was also in retail management trying to fly out of there. Um, we both lived and worked in a neighborhood called Churchill, um, in Richmond and we got to wholesaling. We got in our first 90 days, um, a four unit apartment building under contract. We wholesale it, wholesaled it and made 20,000 on our first deal. So not bad, right? For two girls in their twenties, learning how to just catch a, you know, tiger by the tail, right, Michael? Because that's really what you're doing in this business. You have to throw out a lot of offers and see what sticks. So our bandit signs worked. Our letter writing worked. Um, She had actually done another deal prior to meeting me. um, And then when we met, we, we landed that one. And then the next six months, like into May of 2009, we would go on to have about 12 to 13 properties under contract, um, looking at in wholesale fees, like netting around 250 K. Like I still have my spreadsheet. It's not on my, uh, computer anymore because the computers crashed from that long ago. <laughs> but, but you have it. I, I was grateful I, I printed it because I have it in what Jim Ingersoll also coaches to building a credibility portfolio. So yeah. I still have it. I probably ought to go back and like research all those addresses out of curiosity to yeah. see what happened with them because that might be cool if, they, if I could recreate some type of history yeah. <laughs> in the making with some of those sellers. But 
in May of 2009 in Richmond, Virginia, I'll never forget. It was also a moment in time in our nation where, remember in 2008, that was when, that November, so just, yeah. you know, a few months prior, Obama was elected. It was the big bank bailout. There'd already been the big car bailout. Um, I believe most of my buyers, we had built a buyers list of like 90 at that point. Most of my buyers that were portfolio buyers that were quickly scarfing up our contracts assignments um, had perfect credit scores and long track records. I believe the banks had told them that they could not even loan in that Uh. month of time because nothing made sense. You know how you've encouraged us in our, in our book in your book that you wrote, do your homework, man. I was like, I mean, part of my PTSD is like also paralysis analysis seasons, right. Of doing homework. Um, you know, if you actually look up the definition of PTSD, it means like triggered by, you know, some form of traumatic event. Um, when people were losing houses and losing jobs and losing and actually losing their houses because they were losing jobs and so on and so forth or losing their houses because of the mortgages. Remember the adjustable rate mortgages where like your payment went from a thousand a month to 1800, like something crazy. And all of a sudden it wasn't affordable anymore. Um, thank God those days are over where they don't loan like that as much, but my goodness. Um, so then I just stayed so, so fast forward to that month of May where like I had all these deals under contract. Guess what? None of them closed. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine working for like that six months? My $7,000, dude, I was done with that like four yeah. months prior. Actually threatening a repo of my car. Oh. Um, bank had threatened to take my car. My dad stepped in, which was really nice. I did not ask him to bail me out of that situation and buy my car for me, but he totally did. Yeah. Um, so. First, for many girls, daddies are our heroes in real life. And, you know, I was blessed to feel that from him, that love from him, um, especially in that moment in time. But it was just, it was a hard time, you know, yeah. in our economy, everything was getting rocked. Yeah. So, I mean, in your 20s, when you have all that happen, I just was like, okay, I'm going to go get a job in a real estate office. Okay. So, I so, 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 one, so one sec, I want to make sure I got the story right. So, you're in retail. Uh, you, you ask God for 10 grand, you cash out your 401k, end up with seven, you partner up with another young lady. Yep. You go on to have immediate success uh, to the tune of about 200 grand. The market changes, right? Basically banks shut off lending, which I know all about. And you have well, a no, bunch- l- listen, let me, let me stop you. The 200 okay. grand success yeah. was in contracts that were assigned, ah, but got it. the kicker was they never closed because the uh, that may of that year by may of that year remember i was fully convinced after right. all my analysis and information digging and investigation i'm like these banks just straight up are not lending like God, these yeah. deals are not closing so two epiphanies at that point i tell myself leah you can either go get a job go back to work right mm-hmm. um or you can go get a job in a real estate firm maybe right like maybe picking up an hourly wage okay and the other epiphany was, you know, had I been licensed as a realtor, I could have gone back to all the sellers that I was right. holding contracts with and said something like, you know, Mr. Miss Seller, I'm not able to close on these. Um, why don't we just do this? Let's put it on the market. Let's right. see if we can just sell it on the open market right. and see what happens. Because you really, when you have people in situations like all those distress situations that make wholesalers 
get great deals, mm -hmm. you know, you are really saving someone. I mean, Absolutely. and it is a very real thing. So I think that's another part of it. It was like realizing the magnitude of your role in real mm -hmm. estate um, yeah. as the buyer, um, because these are real people going through real situations. Okay. So I, I got a job in a brokerage firm helping with leasing. That mm -hmm. was what my friend and I went and did. Um, we had a little bit of success, you know, being able to pay our bills from, you know, mm -hmm. some commissions from leasing. Um, we also at that time interviewed a lot of people with how things were going for them. Mm -hmm. um, but in the same time in Richmond, Virginia, there was this, well, now, you know, fast forward 10 years later, this one neighborhood called Scott's Edition is a really hot market, okay. um, full of breweries, um, brand new restaurants. It's with a bunch of industrial warehouses that they converted to a lot of residential um, okay. apartments. Mm -hmm. So it's lots of mixed use in there now. But back in that, time I was able to because I was helping this particular record do some leasing here's the other part that was really PTSD for me uh -huh. one of the first sexiest modern apartment buildings that was converted and leased out um, the owner of it gave our broker an opportunity to be the property manager and leasing company okay. so I got the opportunity to help them with it right after I leased it all up I got this phone call from the broker and he was like, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, what do you mean? They were like, so-and-so, the owner of this building, apparently his office is being raided right now by the feds and the IRS. Oh, and he is being taken in to custody <laughs> for high-level historic tax credit um, wow. fraud. Wow. And he had put these tax credits on this building. Anybody that ends up listening to our, our interview who's a local is going to know exactly who I'm talking about <laughs> um, because this was all over the media. So without names, um, I mean, this person's still locked up, Michael, like wow. still locked up. And when you're in your 20s and you're just, like I said, just climbing, just trying to do little things at a time to make yeah. a buck. Um, yeah. So anyway, fast forward to 2011, get married to my husband, Chuck. Yeah. We'd gotten into um, the business of, we opened a small micro co-working space before co-working was really big here or a popular uh, business model because I felt like, you know, knowing that our power of our network means something plus could we help cover costs if we were all in one building, you yeah. know, with charging membership and so on and so forth. It worked out great, cool. which I'm so excited for you with your hub because I know it's working. Yeah. I know it's booming. Can't wait to hear more from you about that. Yeah. But, um, so we got married and, and honestly, I thought I would kind of put my real estate career on the shelf for a little bit. I mean, he okay. had, he was a bachelor at the time, had started his pest control business, really needed, um, some help with administrative stuff. So I just tried to kind of also dive into pest control and help him with that. So it was a good reason for me to kind of shelf all the traumatic right. <laughs> stress yeah. of real estate and, and then, you know, we tried, we tried having kids and, um, learned that it was hard for me to get pregnant. We ended up losing a couple of pregnancies. Oh. So, you know, that's one thing that, um, I feel like does still impact a husband just as it does a wife, you know, when you lose a baby, but we had a miracle daughter in 2015. Yes. And so fast forward to today, like I said, that's, there's the real estate never really left me. I went on to get licensed in 2010, which was a year after all that stuff yeah. happened. So 2020 of August will be 10 years licensed, 
realtoring and um, just continuing to apply myself at more of my own pace. And I think that's the other thing. So, you know, part of my message or realization after reading your book was twofold. First of all, it was like water to my soul. Like I told you that day of one at a time, Yes. like, like just do one at a time, Leah, you know, it'll make a difference. Just one at a time. <laughs> just one. So, just one, just one. And I really believe that. I mean, I knew the power of real estate, obviously it stayed in it a little bit, you know, um, from the realtor perspective yep. and had, had a great time helping um, first time buyers. So it helped me kind of learn and navigate really parts of the contract to close sure. of the transaction. Um, Cause that's the other part that was not happening. Remember <laughs> back then. <laughs> so you, there's so much to that. I mean, yeah. there's inspections, there's repairs, there's calculating the cost, there's, you know, negotiation. Mm -hmm. um, so every time I tried to shelf real estate, basically just came back. Have my phone ring again. And I was like, oh, oh, so I have just had this love-hate relationship for so long, but um, I've always made good friends with it, like yeah. good friends in the business. Um, some of my friends are doing amazing, um, which have all, always been a great encouragement to me. And yeah. so I just think that's the other thing that I was, that was such a big takeaway for me too, is like, pace yourself, yeah. do your homework, yes. you know, realize that what works for me in my market in Fresno, right, right. is not necessarily what's going to work in the market in Richmond, Virginia. So, you know, one of the other biggest golden nuggets that I pulled from where you were sharing with us here in Richmond, when you talked was about how most people are going after pretty much everything they can buy. Yeah. Um, throwing offers out at anything that sticks, sometimes buying way too high just to get yeah. into a deal um, with the desperation of, I don't know, I would call it all ego-based real estate. For if sure. You ask me. Yeah. I, I'd agree. Um, you know, thank God I didn't feel like I needed to compete with my friends that were doing really good. I mean, I just wasn't there. Good. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Nice. Um, but the biggest thing that I thought it was so powerful that you said was when everyone buys these multifamily units in 2020 at these nice low interest rates, cause it's, it's the year of election, you know, right. when they go get them all outfitted, you know, renovated, mm -hmm. when they go to refine them out after they get the tenants performing in full and fully leased, you know, you were saying in a few years, y'all, y'all going to be refinancing at 7%. Like, yeah. what's that going to do to your, yeah. um, you know, your cash flow and your overall numbers? And I think that's the other thing that many, many real estate investors do not think about, Michael. And that was such a good point you brought up in all of your education was counting the costs now and later and thinking yep. about the short-term goals and the long-term goals and analyzing it both ways. Like mm -hmm. you cannot short yourself that one of the most profound um, experiences I've been having lately is I'm actually working with a new investor, but guess what he is. And this is a personality type too, which is a, an analytical, but he's an engineer. Okay. He has literally been freaking engineering his financing like seven ways sideways from Sunday. So every time I take him a deal that I think he might be interested in um, one of the best things that he is doing is he's counting the cost of the money on the refi on the back end oh. from the front before he even writes the offer. I'm like so refreshed by his freaking brilliance. Nice. And he's young. He's in his twenties. I'm like, you are going to do so good 
because you are thinking through everything. Yeah. Um, so anyway, my name is Leah Coleman and the new, the new girl in 2020 is full of a testimony of the comeback and how uh-huh. everyone who may have been, you know, discouraged by a former season in real estate or maybe yeah. just, you know, failed at one thing or another, or who wants to, or who's been watching the real estate market for a while, seeing its highs and lows, who maybe has been playing in the stock market like you were, Michael, at one point, right? Uh-huh, Which yeah. you, you yeah. have your own. <laughs> I have my own story. Yeah. Not any of that. Not that anymore. You know, yeah, it's like it's like time for you for all of us to reevaluate like how we can really seize the market and create our own comeback um, yeah. financially. There's several things that also really concern me about the economy today, and it is the cost of inflation. Mm-hmm. And how um, even when people are writing loans for buying on the back end after we're reselling our investor properties, right? That we've Mm -hmm. spent so much good money and beautifying. Um, I just wonder, like, how is everyone going to continue to afford these plus food? So the niche that Leah Coleman went into between 2018 and 2020 was just sticking in affordability. And I do all small homes. So I found that the 600 to 1,000 square foot homes that are one and two bedrooms um, have actually been for me, not only the one rental at a time type mindset, but it's one deal at a time, but it's also when they're that small, Michael, you can't really chop them up any further. So I'm literally going in and out of these um, relatively quickly and not having to pull permits always on all right. of them. Now I have a, I have a job right now that I'm working on that I have had to pull permits. And because there's so much of a strong market in our city, they're understaffed on even the permit right. um, department. So it, things are backed up on time. But, but that's another thing that, you know, if you're not knowing your market really well, you won't calculate your holding costs and exactly. you still have to calculate all that, you oh, know? Sure. So, so when some, when a house probably could have been finished in three weeks to five weeks, instead it's like three to six months. Mm. And when you're not calculating that, um, you can easily lose money yeah. or find yourself, if you're working on multiple deals at a time, finding yourself making payments on, you know, a property like yeah. that, that's sitting and not cash flowing yet. Yep. Yeah. So, 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 so Leah, I'm curious, what is a, yourself, what is a know? 600 square foot house go in Richmond before beautification and after? Okay. No so idea. that's such a good question. Um, so in your book, you talk a lot about buying like a simple, I guess, m- m- uh, piece of advice that you were given in the beginning of your career mm-hmm. that you felt like if you based it all on this one formula, it might not work. And that was buying houses that were under a hundred thousand. Right. Right now for at least a thousand dollars. The ones I'm finding that are in my market are between, I'm buying them between 40 and 80,000. Okay. Actually, I spent 87 on one. That's the highest price before okay. renovation that I've spent so far. Um, and I found myself this past week making offers like in the 80s to over 100,000 for them. Oh my goodness. But they're reselling now, Michael, for between 140 and 220. Oh, so wow. there's definitely um, okay. a larger uh, margin. Um, and that is because of the demand of affordability. Yeah and the low supply. So it's just hiking our prices up, but it still means that, you know, people who are making decent income, who might be renting um, somewhere for a thousand dollars a month, $1,400 a month who are in apartments 
could actually still make the transition into home ownership yeah. and get into a home for less than what they'd be paying to yeah. rent out like a nice luxury apartment. Right? Yeah. I, so, I like those. I like small homes. Um, you know, Fresno has a bunch of homes built before 1950 that are kind of like that. Yeah. You know, I think the smallest one we own is actually 512 square feet. It's a little one bedroom, one bath. Um, but those are easy to fix. You're right. You can't, there's, there's, there's no magic. It's like, that's where the kitchen is. That's where the bathroom is. That's a bedroom yeah. and that's the living room. And that's the front door, right? There's, there's no yeah. choice. Uh, so those are fun yeah. and they rent really fast. They, they still have yards. Yeah. They typically have pretty big yards. Um, yeah, I, I like yeah. those small houses. So that's, that's an interesting. Yeah. And then you're fixing them up and selling them to owner occupants or landlords or both? So far it's been owner occupants. and. Okay. <clears throat> You know, I'll tell you just like I would was telling some of my girlfriends here. I didn't actually plan to get into tiny houses. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't like a thoughtful process. It sure. happened to be just that year. What kept being available, I guess, after all the three bedroom, four bedrooms was picked over by the wholesalers in town. Yeah. So what was crossing my desk was the small ones that maybe nobody else wanted because they wanted more bedrooms, yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. So I kind of just found the niche on accident by just saying yes to those, putting, you know, put, calculating my numbers. Yeah. Um, as a realtor, I have access to my MLS so I yeah. can pull comps pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of gentrification here. So in our homes were built between the early 1900s and yeah. most of them the 60s are the ones that are sure. you know the price point that I'm um, you know upfitting now but I started also finding that one experience with my first one mm -hmm. that actually helped me make $12,000 more okay in that one deal than what I <laughs> planned on mm -hmm. was and we all know that there's no that, that home staging helps mm -hmm. right but for first time buyers, I also realized, you know, they don't, a lot of them don't even have furniture and what oh. sells your house is, you know, sometimes for model homes with new construction, right. That are all outfitted and amazing. Yep. Sometimes what sells the house is like people can catch a vision from what you've put in there. So right. I had a little bit of a situation with my first deal where like I borrowed everything, but the last $500 that my friend who's a stager said he would charge me to, you know, stage this house. Okay. And I listed it right before Thanksgiving. Couldn't get them on the phone because, you know, it's holidays, so everybody's busy. And I said to myself, well, for 500 bucks, if he's having me rent the furniture per month, it sets on the market, right? Yeah. You know, why don't I just go to Home Goods? I'll buy a few home accessories. And then, oh, I've got this amazing women's group I became the president of back in 2018 called Boss Babes RVA. Yeah. And it's full of working career and owning business, women who own businesses. Um, there's like 7,500 of us now. The group wow. doubled since I took it over in 2018, but that's a, you know, kind of a testimony to like just organic growth and what kind of happens with social networks that are um, active and engaging. Okay. So I basically posted the shell of this cute little cottage that had nothing on its walls. It was completely empty in that group. And I said, boss babe friends, who is an artist, who's like a furniture remaker, who's yeah. a designer or stager who can help me with this, who's a landscaper. And I had them all meet me at the cottage in like over a couple days of a, of a time period. And by the weekend, we had the whole thing full of their stuff, their yeah. art. Um, so I kind of built this like interesting collaborative um, that again came on accident, just me yeah. trying stuff. Yeah. But I talked them all into putting their stuff in the property me not buying in advance. Right. So there was definitely a risk for them and for me. Sure. But I told them, I said, at the end of the sale, which I know will sell, 
um, we'll all celebrate and you'll get paid at closing. I'll, okay. I'll go ahead and go ahead and invoice me. So it turned out to be a $3,000 worth of art, furnishings, accessories. Okay. You know, so my, my budget had to change a lot. Yeah. But man, we sold that thing for $12,000 more. And so some some friends would be like, Leah, you're crazy. You spent $3,000 in furniture. Wow. But I'm like, sometimes you have to do stuff to try it. And just so I'm clear, and did you sell it furnished or did you yes, just oh, with you art. sold it furnished with art? Yes. That's creative. I have never sold a building. I call it stage for lack of a better word. That's interesting. Okay. So, I mean, it cost, you know, it costs a little bit more, well, right? Of course. But, um, hey, if you sell it, if you paid on the back end, what does it really matter? Who's painting modern contemporary art, you know, while she's, she's a new mom too, nursing her baby at yeah. home. Like this was just a way to support somebody. Right. And wow, then also someone else's business. So it, so it's kind of become, so Leah Coleman in 2020 has like my brand is real estate couture. Uh-huh. And I haven't done a whole lot of branding with it. I've yeah. just been decided, I've just kind of resolved to decide that, I'm going to continue to document these stories, sure. just like you have in your book, um, taking good pictures and telling the stories of them. Yeah. Um, and then I'll brand it probably by the end of this year mm. and launch it. But I'm making mine more of a real estate collective. So it'll be more of an online hub to find, Very cool. you know, t- you know, ways to invest. But similar to what you're doing with the hub, I'll just keep mine online and, you know, may have a space at some point that I open if I go into real estate brokerage or something like that. So we'll see. Yeah. Very cool. So where can people, I mean, is anything out in the public domain yet that people can look at, follow, how can they follow you? How can they get a hold of you if they're in Richmond, they want to be a part of it. So many yeah. questions. How can people follow yeah. you? So um, I do have a contact page at www.leahcoleman.co. So it's not .com. .com, it's not .net, it's .co. And um, you can basically express whatever your interest is um, in reaching out and I can respond right to you. It does go to me directly. Um, And I would say this has also offered a really nice opportunity for all of my investors um, that partner with me. So all of my deals and projects have been funded by the 401k. Remember me referencing that in yes. the in the beginning of my journey. So here you go. You know, you kind of learn where do you find the money? If yeah. the bank ain't lending it, Michael, what are we going to do? Where are we going to find the funds? So um, I know you have a lot of uh, story or reference points in your book of mention of the 401k and the power of it. But, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that like their 401k can flip houses and yeah. then they can have tax-free earnings. And some of mine are interest. I know that you do your 6% and 20, Yep. you know, you have your 6% and 20 model. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've really had a model that I've created yet, but I mean, I've definitely been consistent with the tiny houses. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, one purchase last year of a tiny house came with a lot beside it for free. Mm, Dude, nice. talk about free dirt. Is that <laughs> not a deal from heaven? Was God not like saying, here you go, Leah, all these years of struggle, I'm going to give you some free dirt. Um, <laughs> you know, like just keep, keep working it. Thanks. So that was really cool. Um, so I'm actually, actually thinking about doing, I'm doing in the process for instruction on a tiny. Oh. And when you said 512 square feet, that's actually the first, um, size that one architect sent me drawings for turns out we can actually build a little bit more than that okay um 
So we're going to try to get it up to 534 square feet. Not, not, much, not much, right? Not but, much. That's all right. Yeah, every square but, foot matters. Um, it does when you're that's building cool. small. And then a neighbor across the street wants to sell me his lot, and he didn't think he could build on it. But I just found out right before I jumped on this podcast with you today that the planning zoning people are like, oh, no, oh, no, that one's grandfathered because of the age of oh, that lot. Nice. And that's buildable. And then she goes, and Leah, you should probably try to get that and build on it before you start yours. That has to go through a special use permitting process because uh, you can actually yeah. build on that one first. And I'm like, oh. check. So this is all new, new news, but it's very exciting yeah. in my world today. Nice. <laughs> I, I just love how you, you've started the journey 10 years ago. You've, it's never left you, even though you try to kick it out. Uh, yeah. I, I'm curious, what, what is the next year or decade or what's the future hold for you in real estate? Because there's so many ways you can go. Do you have any idea? You know, um, there's a couple things I might like to do. Um, okay. My husband and I visited a country called Costa Rica uh -huh. um, last year. And we ended up staying in an Airbnb with a builder who came from Canada. Mm. So they were foreign expats to Costa Rica and they bought six acres we're building new homes around 800 square feet. Okay. Um, and they'd subdivided into four lots mm. and we're reselling them between 180 and 215. Okay. So, um, and cost of construction is a little lower. Mm -hmm. So it was just very interesting. Um, I, that I would end up going there and staying in what I thought was just an Airbnb, like right. in a house with a family. And we show up there and like, they're doing what we're doing in a different country, like okay. on the same property. So we got a whole lot of really great wisdom from that, you know, experience. They uh -huh. toured us all kinds of places and talked about why they decided to develop there and settle there and take their kids there for education. Mm. So there might be opportunity for us to do some type of small house development overseas as okay. things here and the area get more and more expensive, sure. but I'm also in evaluating the cost of construction on these small ones here in Richmond, thinking about um, continuing to pick up more lots as I can to put mm -hmm. more on them okay. because some of the, you heard me say that the cost of, you know, some of the little ones that I was finding was between 40, but now I'm having to bid like 80 to a hundred thousand yeah. on some yeah. of them to resale. Uh, but we know what the resale was, yeah. right? Yep. But, but if we were to evaluate the cost of the dirt plus the cost of construction on five to 600 square feet, Michael, could I build them cheaper? Maybe. Yeah. Right. New construction and push the resale up a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's like kind of one niche. It's kind of niche. -y. And I think it's niche -y because it's popular and, you know, you have, and it's also a, a demand for the times that we're mm -hmm. in, you know, you've got like a divorce rate going high, you know, mm -hmm. you've got, young professionals finding, you know, wanting to find ways that they can um, own something, but not have to be like house poor, you right. know, um, right. you also have the minimalism movement sure. that is a real thing as well as the tiny house movement, but the ones that are on wheels, you know, mm. you can take over, they can, they're considered in the class of RV now. So you yep. can actually take over like RV parks. You could fancy up mobile home parks. I've seen that they're doing this already in California wow. where you live um, or some in Florida. There's one in North Carolina, which I could drive to. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a future of figuring some things out. Okay. Um, and I think what my future, if, it, if I could put it in one word, I want to invest for impact. Mm. Um, 
income is always good, right? Like you, you, you're investing for income, like Mm -hmm. every time you invest and buy, but the reality is buying, right? But I think in, in economic times that are in crisis right now, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's very, very uncertain. Um, The value of impact and what you can do in a community is just bigger to me. I feel like it's a bigger, it feels bigger than myself. And that is a very good feeling. So I think that's what I'm going to go for is impact in the future where I can make the best impact. I I look forward to watching your journey. It's, It's been fun just to watch in the year from when we met the first time to the second to see what you've accomplished and really just see how positive you're just a positive force. Yeah. You attract, uh, you attract people being positive. It, it's, it's quite, not everybody has that. So you, you certainly have something special. So uh, I look oh, forward to you. seeing you invest for impact. That's going to be pretty cool. Any last yes. uh, closing thoughts or maybe if there's somebody out there looking to invest in Richmond, how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. I shared with, See the website, leahcoleman.co. Um, I have sent out a survey since I saw you just earlier this month into my um, sphere of looking for those who are looking to joint venture in something like this um, okay. because I'm finding momentum. Yeah. So, you know, would I like to be able to buy more? Absolutely. Um, but I need to find the people that have, you know, small dollar IRAs, or, you know, and a lot of people are always like, I don't have enough to put in real estate. Like if I've got 50,000, well, guess what? Yes, you do. <laughs> if you got 20, I can put it on a renovation and yeah. pay you some interest. So I think, I think that's another thing that's kind of different about my model is a lot of joint venture for private lending on money is people needing more access to a lot more of it. Um, but my particular model can help people. Yep. Um, that have smaller dollar accounts actually grow a little bit at a time. And most of my investors so far that have lent, you know, 50 or 60 grand a piece, I've been paying them, you know, up to 10% or even 12% interest on the smaller amounts. Because if you do the math on that, you know, they're making five, seven grand. They're loaning me 90, they're getting 10%, right? They're making nine grand, you know, I mean, it's, and they're not doing anything, but just transferring the money to closing. And then they get to kind of watch me, you know, transform a dump to, Mm -hmm. you know, something beautiful that makes a big difference in the community, like I said, for impact. So I would say that um, that's one of the things that they can contact me about because that is one of the missions I'm on right now um, is to try to do that new construction stuff. Um, And again, it's it's leahcoleman.co, no periods, no dashes. Yes. That's Leah, L-E-A-H, Oh, and you can find me pretty easy on Facebook. Um, yeah. Do you see my victory roll right here? This has everything to do. Look at me, Michael. Yeah. 